You are now listening to the Hot Take Podcast, brought to you by Full Time Fantasy. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Josh Daddy. Time to make it hot. Welcome in. This is the Hot Day Podcast. I am excited, guys. It is the 2021 offseason, of course. In March, Josh, can you believe it? We are talking fantasy football. Super excited to be talking with you today. You know, the fantasy football season never ends for us, does it, Josh? No, I mean, this is kind of like our prime time when some of the some of the other pods and shows are winding down, you know, we're kind of, uh, it's our time to shine, brother. I mean, there's a lot going on, a lot of free seat, a lot of, uh, you know, free agent news here this off season. So excited to talk about some of these landing spots and excited to have on our guests. Most definitely, man. Yeah. I mean, it's a juicy time of year. We got the free agent frenzy. I mean, a lot of signings are happening. We were supposed to do the show last night. Didn't happen. I was like, you know what? That's great. There's going to be more news today and we'll get to talk about it tonight. Um, and you know, that brings us to our special guest of the fantasy millionaires, Scott Simpson. What is going on, buddy? Hey, Steve, Josh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on the pod and I think you're right. I think it does work out better that we talk today because even, you know, last night when I was podcasting, you know, the news that we talked about last night, uh, it's old. We talked about Josh Jacobs and him cementing that top, you know, 12 back, you know, top you know, RB1 status and now gone the next day. So uh, I'm glad we waited and our takes will be hot for like today and tomorrow. And then, you know, (laughs) they'll be gone by the weekend. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. Uh, Josh with your lions, you know, they're making some like subtle moves here. Maybe we'll get around to those today. We want to talk about like fantasy relevant, uh, you know, uh, signings and we might miss a couple. Um, If we do, we'll probably make up for it next week. Um, you know, we're going to get to as many as we can. So if you're listening, you know, obviously follow me at FF Professor ST3. Josh, where can they follow you, buddy? You can find me on Twitter at Josh Daly72. And uh, yeah, man, it's just, you know, it is good we waited because a lot of the fantasy relevant signings, there's a lot of big defensive signings and offensive and defensive line here the first few days. And then uh, now things have really got hot. So excited to be doing this. And the first topic that we're going to get into is actually just, I'm so excited that, you know, we have Scott on and we get to talk about his doppelganger today. Mm, and mm, that's mm. one quarterback of the Washington football teams, but we'll get into that. But Scott, I really wanted to ask you a question. We were talking off air. Um, you know, how, what got you into fantasy football? Like for me, you know, I grew up playing sports, obviously loved the NFL and then that just was a natural uh, progression into fantasy football. So what, what is your, your story real quick? All right. So I'm going to try to give you my, my elevator pitch and not the, uh, the novel. Um, <laughs> I grew up and I loved football from the time I think I was like five years old. I was a Redskins fan. They had just lost the Super Bowl to the Raiders. And, uh, you know, it, but they, they were in the limelight. I started learning about them. I, I started falling in love with them. I remember the 86 Super Bowl with the Giants. I remember, uh, you know, the 87, the Redskins. I remember all of these things. They were just seminal moments in my childhood, in my, my formative years. Uh, I loved football. I played high school football uh, here in Maryland at Magruder High School. Uh, 
and I was a, a defensive lineman and offensive lineman, but I was just a big old, you know, 290 pound fat bastard. Let's just call me. And uh, I was mean. I had a lot of fun playing football. And uh, after that, I wanted to be a sports journalist. So when I was in school, I was studying sports journalism. Uh, something changed and I became a teacher, but I never stopped loving football or sports. I mean, so I'm the kind of guy who watches like three TVs at a time playing a, a Madden video game while, you know, taking notes on like the Yankees and you know, who their reliever was in the eighth and, you know, just crazy stuff like that growing up. And when fantasy football came around in the early 2000s, I was like, this is me. Like, This is what I want to do. Uh, so from 2004 on, I played fantasy football. And then two years ago, 2019, I was a, uh, an evaluator for my school district that was basically a traveling assistant principal evaluated mentored supported uh, and kind of groomed the new teachers that came into our, our district and I was working 80 hours a week and one October night I was just like f this this is just I'm dying and I bought a website I started writing fantasy football I don't know where it came from like if you said Scott you're overwhelmed you're working too much you know your daughter's about to get diagnosed with cancer what what are you gonna do I would be like I'm gonna take a nap you know I'm gonna I'm, I'm just going to lay down and take a break. But instead, what sprung out of me was this nimblewnumbers.com website. I started just writing DFS. Uh, fast forward, after my daughter was diagnosed in January, the fantasy community kind of just reached out, took hold of me, and I haven't looked back. I didn't know I was going to do this. I didn't know I was going to be a fancy millionaire. I didn't know I was going to have more podcasts. I didn't know any of this stuff. It was just kind of thrust upon me by my love of football and me pursuing it and doing it and doing what I love. So uh, it's not your typical story. I, I, I'm still a full-time teacher about to go out on leave though, because of my, my job situation, I'm going to be off for five months. So you better believe that I'm going to be full-time fancy footballing it for free still, but you know, for me, mostly that's what, that's what I'm doing it for. And the fans, of course. I'm Josh. I'm so glad we asked our guest, you know, that Scott is our guest to answer this question for our first time, really getting into that sort of intro. I mean, come on, like, how are you going to follow that up? Whoever's next for that question isn't going to be able to top that. I know that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I was just about to say, you know, Scott's kind of become in the last year, one of my favorite Twitter followers, uh, you know, for a couple of different reasons. So definitely enjoying the journey, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I mean, for me, what I love about Twitter is this very thing we're doing right now. We, we met each other on this platform. We share a, a love for football. Like you said, I, there's nothing I'd rather be doing right now than talking football. Like it's what I'm addicted to the most. You know, I, I love all these other things I do. I love talking. I love, you know, watching football. I love talking about football with my friends. And so if I can meet new people, build relationships, talk fantasy football, become smarter, learn from other people. I mean, it's a super win-win for me. Uh, and I love it. It's what I want to do until I die. And it's my retirement plan. Like this is my, I'm, I'm like, I'm like cleaning my boat right now. You know what I mean? Like the guy <laughs> out there, like I'm sanding my boat. This is my boat. Like, this is what I want to do at the end of my life. I want to die with a mic in my hand. So, you know, we're going to get there 30, 40 years, but I'm transitioning right now. Uh, you know, hopefully for, for, for good, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I, I do have to go back, I think in the fall, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible stuff, Scott. And, you know, you said something in there that I kind of resonated with, you know, it's like, and if you're listening at home, you definitely feel this way. Sometimes I think, you know, it's not always like the league where your best buddies are also in your league. You know, when you have, you know, really close friends, sometimes they're not in the fantasy football. We get that, you know, you could be at a family gathering. You're the only person in there that really actually plays it, you know, but then, you know, you go onto Twitter and you, you know, start reaching out, you start sharing your content and then you meet people just like you said, 
that love it as much as you do, which, you know, sometimes it's hard to find. So, you know, it, it's a really powerful community in that way. And I think that you are a great story uh, just to kind of paint the picture of what the fantasy football community can be. Um, mm. So yeah, going into it, let's talk some football. That's why we're here. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he signed with the Washington football team. I mean, this was big. Like, you know, Fitzpatrick could have gone anywhere um, where we wouldn't have been excited. You know, he could have gone to a lot of places, but Washington just has all these playmakers that we saw last year, these young playmakers um, in Terry McLaurin, uh, Antonio Gibson that just get elevated right now. And I just want to say, Josh, you know, what a perception change of just a few years can make, you know, like if we're talking three years ago, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, we're not like that happy about it, but we like collectively fantasy Twitter is losing their minds because we think that there's a fantasy gold mine in Washington. Yeah. I mean, Fitzpatrick's always going to have a sweet spot in my heart uh, back ever since he threw like five tuds when he was the Texans quarterback. He's like the reason that I won like my first big DFS uh, payday, you know, way back in it's like what 2015, something like that. It was nuts, yeah. you know, that he's yeah. been. Yeah, I think 2015 uh, was the Jets year, so it must have been 2014. Yeah, and you know, of course, they they're like, well, why do we need this guy? We're gonna go ahead and just get Brock Osweiler up in here. <laughs> um, but you know, I I absolutely love the landing spot. I think one of the things I'm not gonna dive too deeply in this because I know we want to get to a lot of guys, but you know, Fitzpatrick, if you watch the playoff game against the Bucks where Taylor Heineke actually started the game and lo and behold, those guys actually had a chance, you know, and I think a lot of people wrote them off. They have a very similar playing style. Uh, I absolutely love the fit. So if you see what they did uh, or what he did and they re-signed him and they bring in a guy who's basically just like the senior version of Heineke, um, you know, with a little more experience, I mean, it makes sense. And, you know, bringing in Curtis Samuel as well, uh, I, I absolutely love both of these guys going to Washington. Yeah, no. And, and you know, like, like you said, I mean, he joins Ron Rivera um, and this is a team that all of a sudden they want to win now. I mean, we saw what happened with that division last year. So anything can happen. Um, you know, it sounds like, you know, obviously Dak will be back, but like 10 wins, you know, you, if you get 10 wins in the NFC East, you're, you're going to be, you know, winning that division. Oh yeah. That's um, a playoff caliber defense. They, they have to go for it. Exactly. That defense is so damn good. And Scott, so, you know, mainly, you know, what does this do for fantasy? I mean, you got Curtis Samuel coming in there. We know that Terry McLaurin is the alpha. What does this do for fantasy right now for these guys? Oh man. I think it gives them all like a super Mario star, you know, like they're not invincible, but they're definitely a little bit more powerful than they were. I think it bumps up McLaurin. Um, I think it puts Samuel in the top 30, uh, I think it also, you know, Logan Thomas as a, a you know, top seven, maybe top eight. So uh, all, all, the, all of the Washington football team players get a little supercharge. I love it. I, as like you said before, my doppelganger, we both shaved our beards off. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, we were growing them back. I told my wife, I said, it's coming back, baby. You know, and she was just <laughs> like, oh, my God, Scott. No, no. Stop the no. horror. What? It was 17 months of pure horror for her and bliss for me like I would wake up and be like I'm happy to be alive she's like who are you talking to I'd be like my beard I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> so I love Fitz magic and um you know I think Washington football team needs him the only thing that I would 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 make this like the best I could return to fandom 
I quit, by the way. I used to be a Washington football team fan my whole life. Heard earlier in the, in the broadcast, I quit about after RG3 was was hurt on the FedEx field in the playoff game against Seattle. I said, never again. This is just the worst organization. They're rubbish. They're garbage. I can't believe they did this to somebody. And I thought of everything that Dan Snyder had ever done. I'd been a season ticket holder. I was like, never. I'm never spending a dime on this team again until he's gone. So that's what I need. I need Snyder gone before I can like, just like go crazy. But inside as a fantasy analyst, oh my gosh, he's going to win people some money this year. DFS, uh, you know, redraft, best ball. I do want Fitzmagic. I had him last year in Scott Fish. So I do believe in Fitzmagic. So you're saying at the end of like, cause I think best ball definitely, you know, um, but now let's say a 12 team league, you're drafting Fitz. If it's magic at the at the end of your draft, if you're just waiting on the quarterback, oh yeah, oh yeah, he's somebody who is. I mean, he every week he's not going to be in that top twelve every single week, but he has top twelve upside every single week. So you know, he might be a top fifteen quarterback. So I might do a platoon with you know him and someone else who's in that range. Um, if it's a you know one QB league, I just might do a matchup, but I'd keep him around for the shootouts. Um, but I think primarily I'm going to lean on him in DFS. Uh, I, I think he'll have games where he uh, he does go a little bit crazy, like he likes to. Now, he's a gunslinger. That's what he does. He Ron Rivera knows that, and Ron Rivera is not going to bring him in and go hand the ball off two out of three times. He's going to say throw the football. So I, I, I'm excited. This is going to be a fun team to watch next year. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And you know, we saw what happened last year. You know, we've seen it pretty much every year since that. Uh, since that Texan season that Josh was talking about, of course, that that year with the Jets with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, you know, he mm. can support fantasy receivers. So last year we saw him start the season with Devontae Parker and we loved what Parker was giving us. And then they benched Fitzpatrick for Tua that first game against the Rams. And of course, you got Jalen Ramsey there. So I get it. But two targets for Parker, one catch, mm. three yards, you know, so we saw it right away. As soon as Fitzmagic gets back against the Jets, his old team, 14 targets for Parker, eight catches, 119 yards. So this is what Terry McLaurin is possibly getting is, you know, he can get this 120 plus targets, you know, and, and be what I think A.J. Brown was last year is this guy who's a borderline one wide receiver. If, you know, Fitzpatrick is going to play 16 games. That's how I would evaluate McLaurin right now. He's a borderline wide receiver one. You know, you mentioned Logan Thomas last year. I mean, he was a he was the tight end eight. You know, now you have Fitzpatrick. You know, last year we saw he he liked to throw to uh, Gesicki a lot actually in the end mm -hmm. zone. So a lot, you know, big red zone target. You know, Fitzpatrick's going to find him. Yeah, and then that's why you know, and Josh, that's what brings me to Cam Sims. I mean, I don't know if anyone's as excited about Cam Sims, but if they keep this core this the same which even if they draft a guy, you know, I still think that they would look like Terry McLaurin and then you have Samuel in the slot. And then that outside 50, 50 ball guy is Cam Sims, but someone, you know, Logan Thomas finished that tight end eight right behind him was actually John U. Smith at the tight end nine last year. And, and look, I was very excited when the Patriots signed this man. Uh, I thought it was a great fit. Um, and then of course they signed Hunter Henry, um, <laughs> On the same day. So, Scott, what was your initial reaction? I mean, like the John New signing and then Henry. And now what have you processed all of this? Yet? Yeah, you know, I, I have a chance to rank John yet. Uh, I heard other people ranking him. You know, Kyle Yates from Fantasy Pro said he had top five potential. I thought that was a bit much. Um, but 
from week to week, possibly, uh, depending on how Bill Belichick would would game script. Because he, Bill Belichick, and he, Bill Belichick and Kyle Shanahan are, are the two coaches who, at times, worry me uh, because you know they'll they'll throw the ball to their respective uh, matchup you know uh, advantages the whole game. Like Kittle will have you know ten catches for 120 yards. Next game he'll just block because that's an advantage for them in the in the run game. So uh, th- that's what scares me about Janu uh, with Hunter Henry there. I love it now because I think what it does is it, it, one of them, every game is going to go off. And so, uh, you know, when I'm thinking about redraft, it kind of makes me skittish on reaching for any of them. If one of them falls, I'll be pouncing, but I don't think I'll be reaching for any of those, but in DFS, it might just be play whoever's the cheapest each week uh, as they oscillate back and forth, because if they're going to run a two tight end target dominant system, like they did, when Aaron Hernandez and Gronk were there, I mean, th- there's potential for both of them to have over 100 targets. Uh, I just don't think that they're as valuable uh, when they're both there. I think if one of them was there, it'd be a lot better situation, which is pretty obvious. Yeah, Josh, is that how you're feeling right now? I think with Janu, you know, bringing him into this run first offense makes a lot of sense because he's a great run blocker. That's why I thought the Titans were going to re sign him because he was a big part of that running game. Um, so, I think the targets may not be there in bulk, but for Henry, I, I think that maybe he could push that 90 ish targets. Yeah. The thing that sucks is, you know, I got, I got excited at first uh, just thinking that, you know, he would have a little bit more of an opportunity, but I mean, really the, you know, the Pats ran the ball almost as much as the Titans did last year. So when I, I kind of looked at the, you know, how the numbers shook out, I really kind of had to temper my expectations. And then of course I figured, you know, he'd be probably the primary target, um, you know, him and Edelman. And then they add Aguilar and then they add Kendrick Bourne. And then, you know, the day after they signed Smith, they, they go and they signed Henry. So, you know, my, mm. my next thought was this, this needs to be Gronk, you know, Gronk and Aaron Hernandez part two, uh, or, or else it's really not going to be that advantageous. So they're going to, they're going to have to have a very drastic, you know, kind of shift with the offense. And Cam has shown that he, you know, can really lean on a, a tight end very heavily with the Greg Olson Carolina days, obviously, um, you know, Greg Olson was setting all kinds of records, you know, like three years in a row uh, with a thousand yards, I believe, which is yeah. pretty impressive. So, I mean, it's, it's not like it's all bad, um, but they are really going to have to dial it up. So my thinking is that they must see, how, you know, a lot of analytics are showing that some of this two tight end personnel and run and play action off of it's extremely successful, especially on early downs. Um, so I could definitely see him going that way. But boy, it's going to be tough to trust these guys in fantasy on a week to week basis. Like Scott said, it's probably best there for DFS. Yeah. So what I really like about, you know, Cam and just being re-signed, giving him tight ends, giving him playmakers, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne also signed. Those are kind of like, eh, but you know, Aguilar did pop last year, but you know, the point is Bill Belichick is committed to this experiment with Cam Newton. He, you know, he got himself a running quarterback, you know, defense, they're bringing back the veterans in the defense. I mean, there's a plan here, obviously. So bringing in John, you bringing Henry, it's huge for the Patriots as a team. You know, we'll see what it can do for fantasy. I think that Henry can be that possession guy, and John is going to be the big yards after catch. If he gets you that big play, you're happy. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. So let's move on real quick. Uh, tight end, st- stick with tight end, real quick, guys. Jared Cook with the Chargers or Gerald Everett with Seattle. 
Josh, who are you taking in there? Let's say at the end of the draft and you know, you're, you want tight end there. I mean, the way Seattle's used tight ends in previous years, it really doesn't excite me. Uh, the fact that they are wanting to apparently lose their OC for not throw or for not running it enough scares me even more. So I'm going to have to lean cook to the chargers just because I think he could easily put up the equivalent of the same type of stats that Hunter Henry put up for fantasy owners in 2020. Scott, is that how you feel? Damn it. Yeah. I, that, that was a steal. Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. I feel like that one was, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to say ever just because, I mean, he didn't sign a big Kyle Rudolph like deal. You know what I mean? Um, and so I don't know what his role is going to look like in that offense. And uh, I don't think they really scheme to the tight end that often. Maybe they will, but uh, I, I don't know. I, it, it, it makes me, I know that Gerald Everett can block because I watched him block in, in, in uh, LA. So I think he'll fit into the offense. Well, I think he'll have games where he does okay, but he isn't going to be a needle mover for me. I think you're right. And uh, Jared cook is a little long in the tooth for me. Uh, but I think he's going to get more red zone opportunities, honestly. Yeah, no, it, it's got to be Cook with that quarterback there. I mean, Herbert is uh, is poised for fantasy. Um, and yeah, you got, you're right. You, you, you know, Josh, you said it. You can't really rely on uh, the way Seattle uses tight ends. I like Gerald Everett a lot. Uh, you know, I think he, he'll have, you know, he'll be a great DFS play, just like he always is. Um, season long, mm-hmm. it might be a little tough, but, you know, maybe best ball. Um, but yeah, Jared Cook probably couldn't be a more consistent guy there. This was surprising. Kenyon Drake to the Raiders. This is sad. <laughs> if you yeah. are a Josh Jacobs dynasty, you know, if you have shares of Josh Jacobs, I mean, this is sad. You know, you bring in Kenyon Drake. Both of these guys can be a three down back as far as I'm concerned. They can both run the ball. They both are pass catchers. And, you know, last year we saw Drake not being used as a pass catcher at all. And then he goes to the Raiders where Josh Jacobs wasn't used as a pass catcher at all. And I don't know what to think. Scott, help me out here with this Raiders backfield right now. Um, well, I think that Josh Jacobs is losing his targets. So, I mean, wait, no, he doesn't have any targets to lose. Uh, I mean, his carries. He's losing his carries. He's losing half his targets and his carries. He had 270 carries last year. 280. He's not doing that. He's going to be like 220, 215 now. Uh, you know, it's it just, you're right. It's sad. You just took the legs off of an RB1 and you made him an RB2. You know, with, with sometimes – RB to disappointment, he'll finish his RB four that week. You know what I'm saying? And Drake will get two touchdowns. So yeah, I don't like it. It bothers me. It does. I don't have any Josh Jacobs in dynasty, but if I did, I'd be disappointed right now for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to be disappointed even if you're a Kenyan Drake owner, you know I mean? What the hell are the Raiders doing? I I mean, honestly, I don't, I mean, they're blowing up like all the good parts of their team to clear room to give Kenyan Drake like 15 million bucks um i don't know i'm just convinced they're trying to collect as many alabama and clemson players as possible at this point but i really don't i, I just don't get it man i really don't even i can't, it's just frustrating I, I i really don't have anything else to say about it yeah you know like josh jacobs goes from a second round pick you know maybe back end second round pick to fourth fifth i'm not touching him there i really wouldn't want to touch him in the fourth round i mean and then Drake, probably about the same. I mean, they're just going to cancel each other out. It's going to be really tough. Um, not one of these guys is is going to be reliable, unfortunately. You know, um, 
it, it's going to be really like, hard grabbing a Kenyon Drake when another running back is on the board that we know is going to we just know is going to get 200 plus carries you know that's going to be really difficult to make that decision yeah, yeah I mean it's just gross it's terrible and you don't want to root for any injury but if there is an injury you will have uh you know a, a top 12 back so uh th- th- there is there is some speculated you know speculation reason why you kind of would not even reach for them but if they're falling, go, okay, I'll, I'll get this. There's some upside in, uh, you know, one or, or both of them, but I don't want to do that to my team. I mean, maybe in a best ball or something, but it just sounds gross going in going, yeah, this is my RB2, Kenyon Drake. Ugh. You know? <laughs> Josh, I'm going to name some receivers, and you just tell me, like, which one you're the most excited about. We got Will Fuller to the Dolphins, Okay. Nice little signing bonus for Fuller there. And, you know, of course, he's going to be suspended for the first game of the season there. Um, So we got Will Fuller, Marvin Jones to the Jaguars, um, Keelan Cole to the Jets. That's one that just thought of. We got Corey Davis to the Jets, John Brown to the Raiders, and then Emmanuel Sanders to the Bills. Um, And then, of course, Brashard Perryman to your line. So a lot of names there, but which one's the most exciting right now for fantasy? Well, I mean, right now, I think the only certainty that we have is Marvin Jones is going to be reunited with Daryl Bevel and the, Marvin Jones balled out last year. Um, he, he's a very good receiver still. Uh, you know, he was the top receiver in free agency the last time he hit the market. And this time around he goes to the Jags and we know that Trevor Lawrence is, I mean, we're 99% sure Trevor Lawrence is going to be the quarterback. So this is a legit trio of receivers with Visca in the slot and DJ Chark on the other side. And I feel like this is probably the, the best sure thing just from a certainty standpoint as we record this in mid-March. However, I will retract that by saying Will Fuller to the Dolphins if, this is a big if-then statement, if the Finns pull off a trade for Deshaun Watson and he does make it to Miami, which at this point, just draft capital involved. It seems like the most logical trade destination for him at this point. So if he does go to Miami, then the answer is Will Fuller and him hooking back up is obviously the most exciting combo. Yeah. You know, Will Fuller is kind of, well, his fantasy excitement or ceiling is stunted by Tua. Um, You know, the one thing, you know, we were talking about Devontae Parker, you know, Tua did, feed Devonte by the end of the year he was like okay i'll just do it or someone got in his ear he did give Devonte parker 14 targets um there were seven catches 116 yards so at least we saw that but you know that's what i'm saying he's still the guy there and will fuller is coming in and you know i don't think he's just gonna like command the wide receiver one volume like he did at the beginning of last year um, I don't think that's going to happen. So it's going to be tough to be excited about him. I love your call about Marvin Jones being the most exciting for fantasy there because, yeah, you, you step Travis Lo- Trevor Lawrence into this. And if they keep Chark, there's been some weird trade rumors surrounding Chark. I don't, I'm, you know, until it happens, let's just say that's the trio. That's a solid trio with a quarterback that can get the ball down the field. Um, you know, that's the kind of pick that you make, you know, with Marvin Jones where you're like, you know what? Yeah. There are a lot of receivers there, but this might be the most productive, you know, offense compared to maybe one of these other receivers. 
Um, Scott, what are your thoughts right there on Marvin Jones, just to stick with him? So I do like Marvin Jones. I think the one thing I do like about that situation is that their defense still isn't going to be great. And I think they're, they're going to try address it in the draft a little bit, but their defense is young. And so their offense is going to be young. Their defense is going to be young and they're going to give up a lot of points, which means they're going to be behind. And so uh, I think Marvin Jones is that field stretcher. He's a great 50, 50 ball downfield guy as well. Uh, and so, you know, for a rookie wide a rookie quarterback to have him as, as his wide receiver who is down there deep on those 50 yard plus balls, you got to feel confident. You got to feel like I can throw this. So I do like that. Um, I, I'm disappointed in some of the free agent uh, signings, I would yeah. say so far. I, I'm, I'm not excited. Like somebody said, how would you define, I think it was Kevin Tompkins said, how would you define uh, the free agents, with, you know, signings? I'll do a gif, that gif of Chris Farley in the green jacket, looking up all, you know, like excited <laughs> and then kind of being disappointed. And I, I, overall, I kind of feel that way too. Like, you know, like I heard like T.Y. Hilton's trying to, they're trying to bring back T.Y. Hilton in, in, in Indianapolis. Like how boring is this? You know, like, oh. so I, I'm not super enthused about anything so far. I, I do like the, the Curtis Samuel to Washington. I think that just kind of gets me excited because of yeah. the gadgetries that he can do. And, you know, I, I think Ron Revere, Riverboat Ron in his later years, you know, he's going to be, I hope a little bit more unleashed there with, with Fitzpatrick. So I don't think he's going to be consistent all the time, but I think he's going to have games where he blows up and I'm looking forward to seeing those games. So, um, but I think Marvin Jones will, will probably outscore him in the end, but I think there'll be bigger games for, for uh, Curtis Samuel at times. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, the one, that one other thing I forgot to mention about Fuller, you know, Tua made this comment last year, like, it just, he's never had a harder time getting, uh, you know, open receivers. So I thought it was interesting that they added Fuller because I thought he did a phenomenal job of gaining separation before the PED suspension. So kind of like the, the, like the bills did, you know, with Stefan Diggs last year, Uh, that's exactly the same situation. You know, they wanted a deep ball guy, a guy that was good at, you know, getting open downfield and having, you know, a big success rate. So, you know, they're addressing a position of need within a position. So kind of like a game within a game there. Um, you know, and speaking of Bills, I just wanted to say, you know, not even some of these big name players that are getting signed, like Manny Sanders, even some of these are depressing because now mm. it's RIP Gabe Davis season, you know? It was so Gabriel Davis season for like five Three days. days. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was awesome, you know? But, uh... I think it'll be his DFS season. I think that that's where you'll get him. So don't give up on him yet. I, I like him in DFS because he'll be so cheap. He'll be down there at like, you know, 3,800 or 4,200 or, I mean, he'll just be cheap. Scott, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. We are going to get out of here tonight on that note. Um, just please tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and uh, you know, what, what are you working on this off season? What you got, what you got for the folks out there? Oh man, I got so much going on. So uh, you can find me at Nimble W Numbers on Twitter, also the FF Millionaires. Uh, you can find me on the World Wide Web at NimbleWNumbers.com and the FantasyMillionaires.com. And then I'm on Monday nights from 10 to 11 on Periscope, on YouTube, on Twitch, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app with Mike Collins, the Fantasy Millionaires show. And then I have a show debuting tomorrow night at 
11.30 p- no, 11 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network with Bo McBrayer. It's called Chalk Blocked. We did the show. It was more DFS-focused earlier in the year. We're coming back. We're talking free agency. We'll talk a little DFS as well and kind of peel that onion until we get into the uh, into the season where we're just going to go full-blown DFS every week. So, uh, And then I'm starting another podcast with Matt McCoy. Uh, he's one of my boys on Twitter. It's called the Fantasy Football Hot Stove. It's going to be Thursdays at 8 p.m. next week. We're starting with Ian Harditz. Uh, he's our first guest. And then next, the, the following week, we have Cooter Doodle coming on, uh, followed by J.J. Zacharyzen and then Matt Harmon. So we are coming out the gates blazing. We're really excited about it. And uh, hopefully you guys can check us out. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, please be on the lookout for all of that stuff. That sounds great. Yeah. Matt Harmon, some great, great guests that you just mentioned. Yeah. Friend of the show, JJ and uh, also Ian Harditz. So shout out to those guys. On behalf of my ho- co-host, Josh Daly, my name is Stephen Taroni. And of course, our special guest, Scott Simpson. My name is Stephen Taroni. This has been the Hot Day Podcast.